when there is a problem, the people of this world deal completely differently than the real people of God. For the people of the world solve their problems by turning to other people of the world and discussing their problems with those people and taking advice from the world. Or they turn to television. I see it all the time during this 2020 coronavirus where people write CNN and ask them questions. Is it safe for my children to go to the park? Is it safe for us to go to the beach? Is it safe for us to travel on airplanes? They send letters like that to CNN where the newscaster and a doctor discuss it. They get their wisdom from men. We who understand God and are born of the Spirit of God turn to God. We know God has the truth. We have an inner faith that we can pray and he will communicate with us. And we have an experience with God. Truly, it is in God that we live and move and have our being. There are so many people who attend churches and have attended church all their life who do not have a faith in God. They do not display a faith in God, and they do not display turning to God. I would say that there are few people that actually turn to God and have faith in God. I'm talking about people in churches. My experience with them is they have a faith in each other. They have a faith in their church, in their pastor. But in just having a faith in the Spirit of God, in God's Word, in what He would show them, that's another matter. My cousin who was 97 years old at the time this happened, told me, I get along just fine in the day, but in the evening, I have trouble. I'm lonely. Charles, her husband, died 10 years before she told me that. I said to her, well, if you will just turn to God when you start feeling pulled down and ask him to help you, he will. And I gave her Philippians 4, chapter 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what would her request be? Help me. Help me get through this evening. I'm beginning to feel lonely. Help me. Fill my evening. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The next time I talked to her, she told me exactly the same thing. I do all right in the day, but in the evening I'm lonely. I could tell by that she did not do the Word of God. So I just stopped trying to communicate with her. When you find a person will not turn to God, I don't see how you can do anything except walk away. I've spent many, many, many years where I did everything I could to turn them to God, but they would not turn. 
There is a scripture which says after the first and second admonition, just reject those who are basically heretics. They attend church. She's attended church since she was a baby. And I I don't suppose she's ever missed a church gathering unless she happened to be ill. And yet she doesn't believe the scriptures and follow the scriptures. As many as follow the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. See, we watch them. Watch what they do. It's not that you're trying to find wrongdoing, but if you see that they won't heed the scriptures, and you do heed the scriptures, and you do heed the word brought to you by the Holy Spirit, and you do pay attention to dreams brought to you by God, what association can you have with the churchgoer who doesn't believe those things and won't do those things? There'll be nothing but trouble. They will pull you down, and you will not be able to help them. It sounds like it would be wrong to walk away from him. And for a great many years, I would have thought it was wrong, and I tried and I tried and I tried to turn churchgoers back to the scriptures. Then God showed me later they are Antichrist. And in the end times, before Jesus returns, Antichrist would come into the church this way. And the preachers, as well as the congregations, would not follow scripture they would set up their own doctrines and go another way. It's extremely difficult to see it, but it's easier if you recognize it had to happen before Jesus returns. And the fact that we're seeing it today in our churches simply means we are closer to the return of Jesus. I am sharing with you the concept presented to us by the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 3. Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first. It was not that they would leave the churches. It's that the churches would leave the scriptures. They would fall away from scripture. Such as Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 where Jesus says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Haven't they fallen away from that scripture? Are they teaching that today in the church you attend? Or are they approving marriage between a man and and a divorced woman, and sanctioning it. See, they've fallen away from specific scriptures. And that allows Antichrist to come into the church. Paul says, the day of the Lord will not come, except that happens. In the NASB, they call it the apostasy that has to come into the church. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. For several years, I attended uh, Word of Faith Church. I never heard anybody say, pray 
for God's will to be done. Instead, all I ever heard was, find a scripture that you can stand on and claim that scripture every day. It sounded right. I didn't know it was wrong until I left it. But the missing ingredient was, thy will be done. Because the Antichrist comes into the temple of God, showing himself to be God. And you are being your own God when you do that, without asking God for his will to be done, without seeking his will. So that's one example of Antichrist, but Antichrist is in all the churches. Everyone I know of, he's in it. I see people turning scripture all the time and explaining it away. When Jimmy Swaggart was caught with a prostitute back in the 80s, I think it was the late 80s, he tearfully got on television, his own television show, and said, I have sinned, and people forgave him. And I visited a little Assembly of God church at that time, and the pastor said, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. I was shocked. Because that's not what Paul says to do. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, if anyone calls himself a brother, then and he's committing fornication, you put him away from you. He didn't say to pray for him or counsel him. Put him away. Paul even said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved for the day of, in the day of the Lord. I believe we turn him over to Satan by separating from them. I had to do that with a man in, at Word of Faith. He was committing fornication. He was our Bible teacher. And I had to tell him, because of this, I can't be around you. I can't come to your class. And he said to me, yeah, that's right. He didn't seem to care. I separated from him. I, I don't see that we can do anything else. Because when they call themselves a brother, they know fornication's wrong. When they call themselves a brother, they crucify Jesus afresh if they go back into those sins. And I think the only hope for them is for us to separate from them and turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's what Paul said to do. 1 Corinthians 5. Anyway, that is not what the Assembly of God leaders did. They just prayed for Brother Swaggart and counseled him. And a few years later, two or three years later, he was caught with another prostitute. And the next time he was caught, he told the policeman, it's absolutely none of your business what I do. And basically that was his statement. He said, the Lord said to tell you it's none of your business. Well, it certainly is if we're in the body of Christ. If we're the arm, we can't tell our hand it's no none of your business what I do. Every piece of the body of Christ, it is our business, and we are connected. So I think all we can do is what Paul said. The second time Swaggart was caught with a prostitute, the Assembly of God Church defrocked him. But they should have done it the first time based on 1 Corinthians 5, but they weren't following Scripture either. For they took another action. 
it seemed wise in their own eyes to counsel Swaggart and pray for him. But Paul said, put him away from you. 1 Corinthians 5. You see, you just can't go in a way opposite to the Scripture. It works when you go in a way conforming it to the Scripture. In the case of this man who was our Bible teacher, years later, I did talk with him, not in person, but by telephone, and he told me then that fornication was no longer a problem for him. He indicated that his flesh had been destroyed. That is the hope that I have for him, that his soul may be saved. We'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 on this matter. Paul says it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. In other words, they were puffed up like, how could he do that? But they weren't mourning and grieving over the fact that he did this. Paul says, For verily, as absent in the body but present in spirit, I have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. I believe we do that by putting such a one who calls himself a Christian and is committing these sins to put him out of the church. We do not personally have the power to do that, but we do not have to be around such a person when we establish that he is truly doing that act. I went to this Bible teacher and specifically said, are you having sex with this girlfriend? And he said to me, of course. And that's how he said it. Of course, showing no shame whatsoever. And I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have any more to do with you. And he said, that's right. It was like he didn't care. I put him away from me, and I think later his flesh was destroyed. And hopefully his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord because I did this. Paul says in verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth a whole lump? You can't let something like that in the church. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast of the church, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle, says Paul, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or with the extortioners, or with the idolaters, for then ye must needs go out of the world. Verse 11, 
But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. Sadly, many of the ministers are the extortioners today as they try to twist you and make you feel guilty for not giving money to them. With such a one, know not to eat, says Paul. Don't even eat with them. Don't keep company with them. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? You don't judge the world. I think you are kind to the world. That doesn't mean you keep company with them. That doesn't mean you approve them in their sins. If the subject comes up and the power of God is with you, I wouldn't hesitate to tell somebody of the world that's a sin. That's a sin to be sleeping with your girlfriend, living with your girlfriend and not marry. That's a sin. I wouldn't hesitate to take on the subject of adultery. I wouldn't hesitate with the homosexuals. I wouldn't hesitate to tell them. If the subject arises, it's not that I'm going to go around and try to tell them, but if I'm around such and the subject comes up, I would tell them. My cousin told me this shocking story, one of my cousins. She's not a church-going person, but she told me this story. In her neighborhood, a man invited her to a outdoor cookout. So she wore her blue jeans and went to the cookout. But she said she was shocked when she got there. It was a wedding. This man and his male lover were getting married. She said, oh, I was so embarrassed I was dressed in blue jeans. And I said, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. The minute I stepped into that place and saw what was happening, I would have said, this is a sin and would have fled. Said, That's what I would have done. One time, uh, one of my neighbors asked me if I would rent a spare room to him for the weekend for his wife's daughter and her friend to live in, uh, to stay in uh, for one of their anniversaries, his and his wife's anniversary. And I said, oh, well, I won't rent it to you, but you can use the room. And then I, 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 the Holy Spirit kind of quickened me. And I thought, what's the deal with this friend? And I said, tell me, what is this friend you're talking about? He said, oh, well, she is a lesbian, and she's bringing with her her lesbian partner. I said, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't have that in my house. And he said, well, I don't approve of it either. But later, his wife showed me how angry she was with me over the subject. She said, to me, I want to come and see you and talk with you. This was about a year and a half, two years later. I accidentally came across her in the alley as I was taking my trash out. She was backing her car out of her garage, and I greeted her friend in a friendly way, and she didn't seem to be, she didn't seem wanting to talk to me, but I didn't think much about it. Then she said, I want to talk with you, and she said, I'll come over to your house tonight. So I prepared refreshments and turned on my back porch light, which would be easier for her to get into the house. 
and waited for her, and she never showed up. And I wondered what happened to her. And then I remembered this thing about her daughter being a homosexual, a lesbian. And I realized that's what she wanted to deal with me on. She wanted to attack me. And God evidently stopped her from coming to my house and spared me the situation. Paul said, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He's saying, we don't go around judging the world. That's what the world does. But do you not judge them that are within? Don't you judge the church? We're supposed to judge the church. We don't cover up for the sins of the church. We confront them with the sin, speak of the sin, and give them an opportunity to repent if uh, perchance they didn't know it was a sin, but they know it's uh, fornication is a sin. If they are supposedly in the church, they know homosexuality is a sin judged by God in Romans chapter 1. They know this. They know these things are sins, and they willfully do it. Now, that is a serious matter when you know it's a sin and you do it anyway. That's what Paul's talking about here. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Without the church, we don't go around judging them. But do ye not judge them with, that are within, says Paul? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. For a brother to be doing these things, God calls it wicked. Let their flesh be destroyed. Separate from them. Don't try to correct them. Don't try to be around them, is what Paul instructs in the Bible. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Without it, I wouldn't know what to do. But because we are born again, we have the Spirit of God in us, and that word is a delight to us in the sense that it shows us what to do as we live on this earth. One of the early scriptures when I was a new Christian that was given to me is Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? The Lord is the Word. That fear of the Word of God, that Word that God speaks to us, we must understand how important it is to do that Word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I have a couple of examples, strong examples on this one. I was a new Christian. I owned a business in Dallas at that time, a small business. A woman saw a way to get money from me, so she filed a, a, a lawsuit against me. God said to me by his spirit, don't testify. So I told my lawyer, I said, you may not want to represent me because I believe God has told me not to testify at this uh, court trial. He said, no, I'll represent you. He said, Flo will give testimony. That was the woman who worked for me and witnessed the situation. 
she'll give a testimony and it, it'll be, uh, I think we'll win the case. But he said, if you will testify, I know we'll win the case. I said, well, I can't because I believe God has told me not to testify. I was a brand new Christian. I, I really don't know how I knew to do this unless I had a, a spiritual gift, a word of faith. Uh, there is a spiritual gift of faith. I must have had that because I didn't know anything. But I did know that I couldn't go against what God said, and I believed it was God who told me don't testify. The man I was dating at the time said, Joan, you're not doing this girl any favor by not testifying. And I said, I'm not trying to do the girl any favor. I'm trying to do what I believe God has shown me. We got into court trial, and Flo's testimony didn't go as well as my lawyer had thought it would. So my lawyer said to me, but if you will testify, we will win this case. And I said, well, I'll see. And I left the courtroom at the intermission. I went to the restroom and prayed. I said, what do you want me to do about this? And I heard, don't testify. I went back into the courtroom. My lawyer looked at me, and I just shook my head no. I did not testify. We won the case. But the thing is, you obey God. When you believe something is the Word of God, you obey God. Do we believe the Bible is the Word of God? Second Timothy chapter 3. Every, uh, uh, let's read Second Timothy chapter 3 on this. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Earlier in that chapter 3, Timoth uh, Paul said to Timothy, Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse in the church. It's in the church he's talking about. Deceiving and being deceived. He said at the beginning of that chapter, we, in the end times, perilous times will come because men will be lovers of themselves. We know he's talking about the church because he said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Just leave them. He said they were always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In Psalm 119.130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. When we are first born again, often we go to church and we never dream anything can be wrong at the church. We don't understand these scriptures that I presented to you today. Some of you may be baby Christians and you may not have any idea there could be anything wrong going on at your church. But the scriptures tell us these things and show us what will happen and what is happening. The entrance of the word giveth light. Of God's word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple.
And I have an understanding that if I lack wisdom about anything, I can ask God and he will give me wisdom. For it's a promise of God for the church in James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. We live, we move, we have our being in God, in his word. Not just in the Bible, but in the word the Holy Spirit would give us in the form of a thought or what God might show us in a dream. There are various ways that God speaks to his people. And I know I have access to God at all times and know that I can pray and ask God or make my requests known to God. And if I'm praying according to the will of God, it will be done. These scriptures are printed for you on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. You can go to the right-hand side of the homepage and you will see podcast. Click on podcast, bring up the title of this broadcast, which is In God We Live and Move and Have Our Being, and you can read all of these scriptures and think about them. As we meditate on the Word of God, we are given the power to do what is right in the sight of God. Again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney speaking, and I do thank you for allowing me to speak to you today by the Spirit of God.